Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Let's head to our first call and we're going to New Orleans. Doug, welcome to Texas yeah. Home Improvement. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, you ought to call it also Louisiana Home Improvement. I listen to your show quite often <laughs> on Saturdays, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of your show here in New Orleans. Well, this, uh, in fact, I called last week, and your, your screener was nice enough to let me know that if I just call first thing, you would put me on. The question is air conditioning. You get a lot of conflicting, a lot of confusing um, advice with replacing air conditioners. I heard you talk to that guy about the SEER value, and I understand the SEER value. But when you do the math, as you climb up the SEER numbers, you, you can't justify the cost. But then the last thing they say is, well, with a variable compressor, the comfort level will be far higher. So the, I guess the research question is, what is the sweet uh, spot as far as the SEER value and cost and balancing the system? That's the I've, I've lost I my... Okay, uh, I, I, I lost you at the point where you said with the variable speed, they tell you... What? That you get a higher comfort. That's the big thing. The tremendous comfort because yes. the, air, the air conditioner doesn't cut on, cut off. It kind of uh, has an infinitesimal amount of, uh, of function, I guess, across all the uh, levels. Instead of just having a one stage, a two stage, it has infinite stage. Right. Well, that was one question. The other. So where's the sweet spot? I mean, pretty soon it gets pretty pricey when you get up to those high zero values. You can never justify it based on electricity costs. So how can you, where do you, where do you choose yours? The sweet spot right now in my mind is between the 16 and 18 SEER units. Typically, once you get beyond that, it's getting so expensive, uh, it's not making a lot of money sense. Now, if you're going to, you know, keep this unit for, in in the house for, say, 12 or 15 years, sure, you're going to hit that point where it does pay for itself. The, the nice thing, though, on those variable speeds, it may be rated as an 18-seer unit, but because of the variable speeds on it, the true operating may be more like a 32-seer. 30, uh, it really ramps it up. When they're having to rate the units, though, they have to rate them as though it's running at full blast the whole time. Well, that's just not the case on those variable speeds. And so that's what really makes those a sweet unit. And the reason they do make you so much more comfortable is the whole time it's on, it's dehumidifying. So it keeps the humidity level very low, which makes you much more comfortable. Uh, On top of that, you don't typically hear them running. You know, where normal single-stage air conditioner, when it comes on, it's blasting air out. And then when it's off, you, you know, you got to turn the TV back down and all that stuff. Uh, on these variable speeds, you hardly hear them running at all. Uh, and like I say, it keeps the humidity levels low, so it keeps you very comfortable. But for me right now, that sweet spot is 16, 18. I, I would really tend to push more towards the 18 variable speed, and that'll, that'll keep you on top of the line for several years to come. I appreciate that. How about the balancing of the system? Seems like our house has hot spots, cold spots, and everybody always scratch their heads whenever you ask them about balancing the system. And I would think in a fresh install, that would be the time to figure all that out. 
Absolutely. I mean, the first when they do a new install, what they should be doing is what's called a manual J or load calculation to verify what size air conditioner you need. And that's where they take the air condition, the uh, insulation into account, the the windows. You know, are they double pane, single pane? Which way the house faces? All this goes into a computer program that dictates what size air conditioning unit you use. Then the same thing needs to be done with the ductwork to make sure that we got the right size ducts running to the different rooms. You'd be amazed how often under new construction the ductwork is missized to the places. And so once that's all done, then they can do what's called the balancing, where sometimes they got to put dampers in for certain times of the year to redirect air. Uh, you really don't want to use your registers as the dampers, you know, where you shut air off completely going to a room because now you're ba you're changing the load uh, that the that the unit's having to cool down. In other words, you're you're making the square footage smaller. But you are right. correct. That new system is when it really needs to be balanced. Well, well, thank you. I really appreciate the input. 16 to 18. I'll keep that in mind and. Uh catalog that thank you and uh, thanks again for your show you bet you have a good weekend don this is jim how are you okay um i'm about to set a couple of concrete posts for some handrails and I have two okay. questions uh, one the first question is should the end of, it's just the four by four post should the bottom end of that extend beneath the concrete or should that no. be actually set in the concrete in the concrete. You'll, you'll want to put the concrete about six inches lower than your post. Okay, because I've had some people tell me that you put it below the concrete so it drains. If there's water that gets on the post, it'll drain out in the ground. But you say it goes in the concrete. I put it always in the concrete. And then on the top, I when I'm packing my concrete around the top of it, I make a dome so the water runs off of it. But uh -huh. Concrete or water is not going to go through the post down into the dirt. I okay. mean, there'll be some through capillary action, but it's not going to act as a drain like that. No. Okay. The next question I've seen a um, fast setting concrete mix advertised that says you just pour the uh, powder into the hole and then pour water on the top of it and it sets up without having to mix it outside the hole is does this stuff what, work is this what are you going to put on these posts is it for a fence or what is it it's just going to be a handrail uh one end's going to okay, be in the hand. ground and, and okay. it's going to go up to the porch okay i will tell you how i set posts all the time is i use quickcrete dry mix and i'll put a little bit in the in the bottom of the hole first set my post uh -huh. and then i start putting dry around the hole, using the shovel end to pack it around the hole so I can plumb the 4x4 post up or round post, whatever I'm putting in at the time. And I just keep coming up in about 6-inch layers, packing it with the shovel handle until I get to the top. And then, like I said, I just dome it. But it's dry the whole time. As soon as I'm finished packing it in there, it's ready to where I can continue building and through moisture in the soil, it'll set that concrete up. You don't have to add water. I did that with a 30-foot flagpole that's in my front yard even. Oh, wow. Well, what I've always, I've used Quick Creek in the past, and I always mixed it in a bucket and then poured it yep. in. 
But this stuff says you just pack this fast setting quick creek yep. in the hole and yeah. put the water on it. Yeah, okay. and, and that works that'll work just fine, but you can use regular quick creek, sacrete to do that. Uh, one and thing when you're setting a you post can do that with sacrete you can do that without mixing it outside the hole? Yes. Okay. Any con any dry mix concrete will work. Now, one thing I will tell you when you're setting a post, whether it's a round post or a square one, if you'll take uh, two strings, tie them together in the middle, and then hang a washer off of all four of the strings, all four ends, you can just set that on top, have them hang down, and that's your level. Because if it leans yeah. one way, the washer's not touching. Okay. Makes it quick well, and easy for setting posts. All right, good deal. Okay, well, that's got me covered, and I appreciate your time. You bet. Take care, Don. And we're going to Texas City. Hello, Ronnie. Hello, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Enjoy your show. Thank you, sir. My question is, I have a glassed-in porch that is air-conditioned, but it's on the west side, and it's a, an oven in there. What I am looking to do is make another bedroom out of it. Is it possible to put horizontal nailers up about every 18 inches or two foot and cover it on the outside with a hardy panel rather than taking the glass out and putting a regular stud wall in? What's your thoughts on that? How are you going to make it look nice from inside there? Inside, I'm going to put nailers in there and do sheetrock on the inside. Either one by four or two by four nailers. Uh huh. Horizontally. Uh, these glasses, it's just a, a single glass pane yes, that's in there? or Okay. It's single glass, uh, like four by eight panels. Yep. You know what? I, I had that same thing in my house. And by the time you try to go in and put boards on each side to nail uh, sheetrock to and to nail the siding to, you're going to find it's going to be easier to just take the glass out, frame it in properly, and be done with it. Yeah, it'd be easier to put insulation in too, I suppose. Yep, you can get you can insulate it. it it's uh, you can put regular windows in it then, and right, right, it, yeah. It, doing the, the way you're talking about it, it, no matter how you do it, it's going to be pieced together. And it's going to kill resale if you go to sell it. Yeah. All right. Well, that pretty much answers my question. Then I wanted your thoughts on it, and looks like you've had experience with it. Yeah. And you know, one thing about it, no matter what, I'm going to give you an opinion one way or the other, like it or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ronnie, good luck with that. All right. Thank you, sir. I purchased a standby generator by Champion. It's rated for 4,000 starting watts, 3,500 running watts. The instruction manual says it should be grounded. Does the city electrical code require this? I've been getting acquainted with it. Thanks, Chris. Well, Chris, it all, it all depends on what you're doing. I mean, if you're hooking this standby generator into your home system, which it sounds like you are doing, absolutely you're going to want to ground it for multiple reasons. But 
one of the things even more important than, than the ground, I shouldn't say more important, one of the things that goes along with that uh, is you got to make sure that it's got the right tie-in to your electric box when you do that. Because if you don't, when the power goes out, you've got the generator running. You're back feeding into the system. And as the linemen are out there working on the lines trying to fix it, you're electrocuting them. Truly installing generators needs to be left to the professionals to make sure that it's done properly. And it's not that you won't be able to install it and have power going to your house. It's that if you install it improperly, you can still have power going to your house, but you you can also be electrocuting people. And let's face it, you don't want to do that, and the linemen don't want that to happen either. So please, call an electrician. Let them tie it in the proper way. This one actually comes from Lubbock, Texas, and is from Alma. How long do you wait to stain a new fence? We've got a new cedar fence. Okay, here's the thing. You don't want to stain it when the wood is still wet. So how long depends on how wet the wood is and how the weather cycle goes. Um, I just, talking about the rodeo, I just was building some ticket booths for the rodeo, and I'm going to put uh, ready seal, stain, and sealer on the ticket booths. But it's been too wet. i got to let the wood dry first. So typically, if you put up a new fence and you got cedar pickets, Usually those will dry out in a matter of like three, four weeks. Totally dry. Uh, if you used treated lumber, a lot of times you got to wait like three, four months for it to dry out completely. Again, it all depends on the weather cycles. So how do you figure it out? Well, first of all, if you look at the ends a lot of time and squeeze, a lot of times you can see just a little moisture. If you're still getting moisture... And yes, you can squeeze the wood and see some moisture. If you're still getting moisture, don't stain and seal it yet. Once you're not, you can stain and seal it. You can also drill a small hole in it or drive a nail, whatever, in order to penetrate the wood and see what's how dry it is. If you're just not sure and you want to wait a set period of time, give it a good five months if it's treated lumber. And if it's cedar... Give it a good, typically, 30 to 60 days. Mike, welcome to WBAP. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing wonderful. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. i got a question for you. We have a, a fairly big house, and we're going to turn it into a duplex. And I've got all the logistics fairly worked out, but the common wall between the two units, I want to soundproof somewhat, and I need an idea how to do that. Okay, your building is new? No, it's an existing home, but it was added on. I've got two air conditioners, two hot water heaters. Everything's already there. Okay. We're just going to close off the, a common wall between the two, and I want to put something in the wall to kind of... Right, but is, 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 the, is the wall built, or is the wall going to be new? The wall's already built, but we're going to take off the, the uh, sheetrock on one side. Gotcha. Okay. There's, there's a couple of different ways of doing it, and that's the reason I was trying to make sure of whether it's built yet or not. One of the ways they truly, when you're soundproofing or trying to make something as soundproof as possible, you actually end up building two walls with the studs uh, 
separated, not touching each other. Mm -hmm. So the sound doesn't vibrate through them. But if you've got just a single cavity like you're going to have and you're wanting to soundproof it, they do make blankets you can put in there. They make different things you can put in there. But, you know, the the easiest, quickest, and probably the least expensive way is mm -hmm. going to be to use insulation in there. And I'm not talking fiberglass. Use either a foam insulation or this is the one and only time that you'll hear me say, Use a cellulose insulation. Gotcha. And I, I, dis, I do not care for cellulose insulation, not because it's not efficient, but as it ages, it does turn to dust and start to settle and stuff. But if you put cellulose insulation, the spray-type cellulose in there, they use mm -hmm. a glue that bonds it into place. Uh, it'll give you 20, 30 years of good use there, but it does a remarkable job of soundproofing. Awesome. Well, I sure appreciate the advice. Not a problem. And Mike, good yep. luck with that. Thanks for listening to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast. Now, I would love your help. If you enjoy listening to Texas Home Improvement anytime you want, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. Help us reach more people and grow the show in Texas and beyond. Please visit iTunes or wherever you listen and leave us a review. Kathy. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Well, thank you. I have a very important question, and I can't seem to find a good answer anywhere. I just get opinions. Uh, we just had our wood floors refinished, and they did the last coat on Thursday, and we're moving in things today, and I'm seven and a half months pregnant. So I am curious how many days I have to wait after that last coat on the wood floor before I can go in and the fumes what did they put on it well i don't know i mean i guess like a polyurethane okay and and regular stain i don't think they did anything special yeah i'm not too worried about the stain it's it's going to be whatever finish that that they you know that they put on it polyurethane okay. versus some of the other but you said they just finished it on thursday the last coat was on thursday and i'm pretty sure it was polyurethane Okay. Last. Okay. Have you been airing the house out? Yes. If we've you got can... you know we've got the fan on full time, front door open, back door open, but okay. we just don't know how long does it take to really not have toxicity or to not. I just don't know. We can walk on it. We move furniture on it. It seems yeah. dry. It, and and I was gonna, yeah. that that's what I was going to say. I mean, at this point. It shouldn't really be off-gassing much of anything at this point. Once okay. it's dried, that, that's pretty much done. Do you, are you still going to have an odor in the house? Absolutely, because as it was off-gassing, that odor gets into the insulation and different things like that. So mm -hmm. you're okay. going to smell it for a while, but okay. tr truly, I think you should be fine. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so very much. You're welcome, Kathy, and... Have Enjoy the house, and good you. luck with the baby. Yes, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, you know, I, I need to back up on Kathy's question, because that is a, a, a really legitimate question. A lot of the stuff that off-gasses from building materials we use can cause harm to you, especially if you're exposed over a long-term period of time. I get the question a lot of times... Uh, 
since I was talking about the insulations, why don't use certain insulations and stuff? Like even when I recommend to use fiberglass insulation, I tell you use formaldehyde-free. And the main reason is the off-gassing. So much, especially if you went back to the 70s and into the 80s, so much of our building materials was off-gassing forever and causing issues with us. Uh, we're a lot more cautious about that nowadays than we were 20, 30, 40 years ago. Email question that came in from Joseph in McKinney asking about siding. We thought we could just replace the rotting boards, but the siding behind is rotting also. Okay, here's the problem. When you start seeing rotting wood, if you don't take care of it, rotting wood is, is like a cancer. It just keeps growing and spreading, and it will spread from board to board and, and can literally rot out an entire home. Water is not your friend when it comes to a house, and it will rot the house out. So I hate to say it, but you're going to end up opening more of it. Take the old siding out as well. Now, does that mean you got to take all of the old siding off? No. Take off the, the front cover siding, and, and I'm assuming this is an older home that had an original siding and then was resided. So you're going to take the reside off, get down to the original siding. Any of the wood that's bad on the original siding, take it off and put filler boards in there. I don't care if it's plywood. I don't care if it's, you know, uh, uh, plank siding again or just one by sixes, whatever you want to put in there. You're putting it in as a filler. Then you can reside over it. Make sure you use a vapor barrier behind your new siding. Because what the vapor barrier will do is act as a protectant between the two sidings. So if moisture does start to affect the front siding, it's not just automatically going to the back siding. You know, to the original. Which is now your sheeting, not really a siding. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.